welcome to the Lifehouse Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena Hobson and I'm here with Carolyn Thomas and Olivia Robson. How are you girls? Ladies? Well, continuing. We're continuing on with our series on Colossians chapter 2. And last week we were talking about um, asceticism and that system of rules or works that we need to try and live by and meet in order to obtain salvation so Paul was addressing that false teaching and you know we talked we, we spoke about how um, you know Christianity is really simple it's relationship with God repentance and faith it's pretty simple you know all we need is Jesus Christ we don't need a system of rules and regulations um, that will not save us only Jesus Christ so we're going to be continuing on from that point um, from verse 16 and we're going to start talking about Gnostic and Jewish observation observation of days um, so I'll just read verse 16 again it says therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day okay so we've got freedom in Christ and we don't need rituals or observation of rules so let's just um, talk about that for a bit Alright, so the Jewish people observed yearly feasts and monthly new moon, new moons and weekly Sabbath. So these were days that specially belonged to God and they could only do certain things. Um, they followed the set of rules and created these rituals and Paul didn't want the Colossians enslaving themselves again all over by submitting themselves to a set of religious legal rules. Because in Christ we have freedom, not legalism. If you look at Galatians 5, It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So it's actually a choice. We have been set free in Christ and we can actually put ourselves back under that yoke of slavery by choosing to observe and follow a set of rules and rituals. Yeah, and, and you know, the Jews and the Gnostics, they would drew up lists of days which specially belonged to God and on which certain things must not be done and certain things must be done. And Liv, you mentioned in a previous podcast as well about, you know, Jesus healing on the Sabbath and, you know, so they were against all of that because you can do certain things on certain days. And as Lena's just said, Paul was warning them not to go back to that Jewish legalism because Christ has made them free. And, you know, the sad thing is the religious spirit is alive and flourishing in churches today, and that's not Christianity. Um, you know, religion tries to make Christianity about rules and regulations, and this is what Paul was going back to. Don't fall into that again. You're free in Christ. And if we look um, where he wrote as well in Romans 14, talking about all this, um, you know, don't let people judge you by what you eat and drink. He's, he says that one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them both. And he goes on further to say as well, one person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day like each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. And so there he's saying, you yeah, don't judge each other and treat each other with contempt. Contempt. So, yep. And again, it's down to the freedom we have in Christ. So if you're convinced in your conscience, you know, you've been convicted about certain thing, you don't put that on other people, but you also don't let them judge you. 
Um, and in 1 Corinthians 8, 4 as well, um, it says, So then about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. And verse 8 goes on to say, But food does not bring us nearer to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better off if we do. So again, just you know, telling them, stay in your freedom. Don't let people be putting these rules and regulations and judging you on that. Yeah. I mean, and they're, they're useless anyway. Yeah. The more you put yourself under that, that law, the the more you're powerless to overcome it. Yeah. Yeah, I, rem- I spent years trying to conquer sin in my own strength. And, like, you, you're okay for a while, but you always go back to it because it's just behavior modification. You're not actually walking in that freedom. Yeah. You know? So with Christ, is that any way we can overcome? And, and that's the... the the thing that we have to get our heads around that we have the righteousness of Christ we don't have our own righteousness because I know I've struggled with that as well where I try to have my own righteousness so you know um, trying to like you say overcome that sin which I can't because yeah I just can't do it I don't have the power to do it in myself but I'm always trying and if I physically would not be doing it I'd still be condemning myself for having the thoughts or whatever and it's like I have to just accept because it seems you know we brought up to strive for everything and work hard for everything so it almost seems too easy for me to say well I just have to put on this garment that's the righteousness of Christ um, you know because I still feel no but I've still got to earn that even and yeah. you know, it's really hard and that's what the striving and trying to yeah I remember we had this couple come one time who were really into like the Jewish customs and things like that and they just spent a lot of time like researching and trying to live out all the Jewish, the Old Testament law and all that sort of Jewish lifestyle. Um, but yeah, they just were putting themselves more and more under the yoke of the law yeah. and they didn't realise it that they were just taking away their own freedom yeah, yeah. to live under this yoke of slavery and I think you know there's nothing wrong I mean really I've got I just um, bought the Jewish New Testament and it's really good and just really to be understanding that you know that the the New Testament was written by Jews and so there's the richness and all that but Paul himself who was a Pharisee of Pharisees is saying you don't put yourself under the law so you can still appreciate the Jewish heritage and get into it and everything. And it's not that we're two separate people like the church has replaced, you know, Israel. We are spiritual Israel. And so all of that, you know, Jewishness and everything we need to really, we've been grafted into them, not the other way around, like, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's all got place. But like you say, Lynn, that's where you're trying to observe the laws and put law back on yourself. And it's just, you're just saying, well, Christ's work wasn't enough. And, you know. Yeah. I can earn my own way in. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Let's talk about Gnostic special visions. So verse 18 and 19 says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions in their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. So false humility is not humility at all. Um, William Barclay makes this comment on verse 18. He says, The Gnostic prided himself upon special visions of secret things which were not open to the eyes of ordinary men and women. 
No one will deny the visions of the mystics, but there is always a danger when a man begins to think that he has attained a height of holiness which enables him to see what common men, as he calls them, cannot see, and the danger is that men will so often see not what God sends them, but what they want to see. Alright, so let's just talk about that quote and um, just discuss the false teaching about angels and that sort of thing. Just to go back for a minute to that, um, you know, the false humility, not being humility at all. Um, you know, false humility is where you think poorly of yourself or low self-esteem, feeling inferior. But here in this context, it was then making a show of being humble. And it's just the opposite. It's really pride. Um, you know, they were actually arrogant and felt superior, but they made the show of trying to of being humble. And, and it's the opposite to true humility because true humility is a lowliness of heart where you're not arrogant or boastful and you're teachable and ready to serve. And false humility is not humility at all. It's actually a sin of pride. And you can have what we call worm pride. Um, which is that opposite is, you know, trying to debase yourself and put yourself down, but you're actually doing it to make a show, like, look at me, I'm so humble, I'm so terrible, um, you know, and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, that sense of superiority, that's, like, always the thing that sticks in my mind, that, you know, you're, you make yourself think you're superior because you know more or do more or there's something about how great you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That it's like that comparison all yeah, the time. Yeah, and you're judging other people. Mm. Um, if we just go to that quote that we were um, looking at that Lena's just read, um, I just want to talk about one part there where it says that um, you know they think they've reached this heart of holiness, and the dangers that men will so often see not what God sends them, but what they want to see. And, you know, that's what we call um, an idol in your life. That if you want something to the extent that it's an idol, then you're going to hear and you're going to interpret what you want to hear, like that's going to back that. And, you know, you'll use the Word of God and the principles of the Word. We need to use that as a standard to check that we're actually hearing from God. And because of anything else that we hear, we're told is contrary to the Word, or you hear something that's going to bring about what you want in an illegitimate way, contrary to what would please God, then, you know, that's not gonna, not of God, but that's what people do when they have an idol. They just want something so badly that, you know, they will say, well, this is what God's told me or whatever. And, you know, we've had occasion to challenge people several times on this, on what the Word says. Um, you know, and I've had people respond with, oh, I, you know, I prayed and I believe that God has given me the go-ahead. And we like... But it's actually contrary to what his word says. So I'm sorry, it's not actually God you're hearing. Yeah. You know, you might be hearing the Spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. Because God is never, ever going to um, tell you something that's contrary to his own word. He's not going to violate his own word. But sometimes if, if you want it badly enough. And I had a situation recently where I was speaking to someone else saying, what you've done, and, and they'd done it on the basis of prophecy, and um, like what you've done was not right. It wasn't God that spoke. And the, you know the person it started the conversation started where they said to me, "I can't believe God made a mistake." Mm. And I'm like, God didn't make a mistake. You wanted this so badly. You have made it happen, and you've taken on board, you know, this as being what God's told you. It's not that He's made a mistake, but that's what we can do. We can make an idol of something that we want so desperately. 
that we will just look for, you know, prophecy or things people saying this or, you know, or, or, or saying. I mean, who's to stop, you know, anyone saying, well, this is what God told me. And that's what people do all the time because it's designed to shut down any further questioning and challenging because we don't like to say, well, no, I'm sorry, God didn't tell you that. Yeah. And so often people will get you to back off by saying, well, I prayed about it and this is what God told me. And, you know, another thing as well that ticks me off is um, people will come and say, oh, pray for me or ask, you know, try and help me find, I don't know what God's will is or see. But, and they're not in the word for themselves. And I'm like, but the word says that if you transform <laughs> through the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. So renew your mind. You won't need to come to someone external and say, oh, pray and ask God what his will is, or I'm not sure what it is. Get into the word for goodness sake, and then you'll know what God's will is. Yeah, and you need to really like check if you're actually submitted to God. Yeah, because if you're not, that's when you can misapply and you misinterpret and you'll twist, you know, prophetic words and teaching, and you'll twist the the word itself to suit your own ends, yeah. as Carolyn was saying. Yeah. And like that's why the Bible tells us to examine and test. Well, you know, it's interesting when you talk about examine and test. I was just listening to, um, I was trying to decide the other day, you know, I've been listening to a certain prophetic thing and thinking like, okay, there's a couple of stuff that I've been getting uneasy about and I'm sort of trying to decide whether I was going to now totally, you know, cut it. And um, I thought, okay, I'll listen because I, I like to just listen and make sure I'm not making a wrong judgment and stuff. And one of the things that the person was talking about was a comparison between Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets and you know and again this is where if you know the word you can pick up things because I could play this and it might sound fine and, and whatever but because I have the word in me I can pick up straight away hang on that's sus or that's not right and the person was talking about how with the Old Testament prophets like if they got it wrong or whatever they you know could get stoned and stuff and you know get um you know and and, and how um, you judge the words of the Old Testament prophet, which is totally accurate. But then the person went on to say it's not like that with the New Testament prophet. You actually just have to look at the prophet's fruit. And that was like, no, because uh, they actually said that comparison of you don't judge, have to judge the word. Basically, they said it in not so many words, but it was clear enough. Um, you don't have it doesn't get judged like with the Old Testament if their words didn't come to pass and they got judged or whatever the New Testament prophet you just look at the prophet's fruit uh uh mm. wrong because they can have what looks like fruit or whatever but they can still be bringing a wrong word we still have to judge you know the what the word is yeah so that was like mm, call that there right there mm-hmm. and you still line it up with scripture as well and you know 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-22 says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Yep. 1 John 4. New Testament. <laughs> Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So you need to be checking that it lines up with the Bible and the principles of the word. That is our standard against every single thing is measured. 
you know, the witness of the Holy Spirit, you have that sense of peace, even if it's something that you don't want to do. Yep. You know, what is the fruit of it? Is it actually bringing you conviction and that encouragement and actually, like, you're walking, like, it's, you know, that maturity? Does it bring glory to God? What are actual other spiritually mature people say about it? Yeah. You know, it's easy for us, especially when we're young in our walk, that we can just get some great prophetic word and shoot off to the stars yeah. on our own bat without actually checking these through. And, you know, Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs, tells us, like, perhaps wise counsels are good, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, what you're saying, Lena, as well, I mean, and, and prophecy, yes, should encourage and exhort, but it should always be pointing you to Jesus as well um the holy spirit will always point to jesus and i don't know sometimes today it's just like it's used to be telling you your future and all your material stuff and all how wonderful it's going to be and whatever and you know to me prophecy will always still you almost catch your breath like like only god and i knew that and you know it can still be encouraging whatever but it will still often pull you up um, you know, and be really exhorting you to draw closer and to, you know, often, you know, God can bring correction through it as well, but, you know, it will be done in the positive, so it's not that you're embarrassed or anything like that, but it it's still, you know, you. and God knows it doesn't shame you yet, but it still convicts and, like, brings you closer to God and getting you back on track. Yeah, I don't like that, that New Testament prophets never bring in that yeah. conviction, never... That's that's God. That is love. Yeah, and and exhorting as well. You know, that's part of it. And it's like, uh, you know, sometimes it's marketed as it's just going to be all this positive, and you're wonderful, and you're this and that. Which you know, encouragement and that's got a place. But there should, if it's not drawing you closer to Jesus and you know, aligning your walk, sometimes there's you know alignment that has to take place. And yeah, I just worry about that. Mm. All right. Um. This, can we just talk about angels for a little bit? Yeah. I was reading this, um, William Barclay was saying that the Jews had a highly developed doctrine of angels and the Gnostics believed in all these kind of intermediaries and they worshipped these while Christian knows that worship must be kept for God and for Jesus Christ. And I was doing a bit of research earlier in the year about deception in the church and I stumbled across some crazy things going on in the the, the church at the moment. Um and just all this extreme focus on angels and you know all this spiritual stuff spiritual beings and sort of to ignoring Jesus mm. um you know I, I found one blog from this um pastor of a popular church in the US and the whole blog post was devoted to visions of angels that she and other people in her team had seen and it even had this story of them driving on a road trip and they felt a strong desire to wake up the angels oh. so pulled their car over and started blowing um like jewish instrument whatever it's called um to wake up the angels um and it was this had it's completely unscriptural and it wasn't it's not based in the word and they're, they're sending you off on this um on this little false goat track um instead of focused on what you should be doing worshiping god yeah. fearing and obeying him and following his commands you know making disciples instead of this strong focus on these spiritual beings that god never told us to have yeah. a relationship with and that you have authority to do these yeah. things and that's important what you said authority like we don't command the angels 
Jesus Christ is the commander of the heavenly hosts. Yeah. So we pray in the name of Jesus. We might pray and ask him, Lord, send your angels, you know, to help and intervene and whatever, but it's not for us. We don't command them. Yeah. And like you're saying, there's all this kind of nonsense as well of calling down fire angels and this angel and the angels we see them worshipping and blue angels and red angels and, yeah, it's all, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, hey, so all this Gnosticism and all this false teaching Paul is dealing, that's all still here. Mm. And it, you know, it might just be repackaged and remarketed. That's the but big thing, the same. marketing. But it's the same. Yeah. Well, speaking of marketing, I found one website which has had all these Christian products for sale on it. Um, things like special anointing oil that the ad claimed had more power than all the other anointing oils on the market, or like a special package deal to um for clearing your house out of demons that included like prayer stakes and things like that as and the way they spit as if the power was in the object rather than God and it's like all, witchcraft, right? Yeah, yeah. Like prayer yeah. cards that looked just like tarot yeah. cards, things like that. Like it was just yeah. blew me away. Just like talk about being puffed up with these idle notions. Yeah. 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 And that's exactly there and you know, so for people that think, Oh, it was just he was writing there, it doesn't apply to us, you can see it's exactly it's relevant thing. and that's why God allowed all that to be in Mm. You know, and for us to read and be warned about, and you know, that's a must be a billion dollar industry. All the Christian mm. products, as well. You know, I was at a conference a few years ago, and um, you know, just like the and I had to repent when I came home, I was part of going buying merchandise and whatever, but it was just like a cattle haul mm. just the selling of the merchandise and all the stuff, and you know, it was all this love stuff. and you know, all the nice slogans, but I didn't see the name of Jesus on anything. Yeah, it's like so much of the merchandise is I could get the same thing from Lorna Jane or from yes. Suzanne, like it's no yes. difference. It's all, yeah. Yeah. you know, even just simple things like, which is so normal now, like chasing a prophetic word from God, like is like some sort of slot machine and you pop in a dollar and you get your prophecy. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. like, like <laughs> yeah. you know, God's your servant and he's yeah. just there to serve you and... Yeah how you feel it's scary hey? mm. it's like that book that I used um, you know I read um, a vision out of it when I was um, preaching a few months back about the spiritual avalanche really good and the guy really gives a picture there of the modern church with you know the coffee bar and the club and the merchandising and the whole while the snow is just falling you know and covering everything and it is it's like sometimes it's like being in a shopping mall mm. yep. it's no difference mm. Alright, so let's move on. We've spoken about um, the worship of angels in that point above. Does anyone have anything else they want to add? I think we just need to reiterate that worship is kept for God alone, for Jesus yeah. Christ. We're not to be worshipping and... Yeah, and summoning, trying to summon angels mm. and stuff. Because I tell you what, you're summoning demons. Mm. Yeah, They'll come. Mm. They'll appear as angels. Satan appears as an angel of light. Yeah. Um, so the minute you're delving into all that kind of stuff, it's not good. Mm. All right, so Paul makes some criticisms of these false teachings, which are important. Um, he says in verse 17, These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. All right, so all the Jewish rites were just shadows of the blessings yeah. under the new covenant. So in Christ, we have everything we require. Christ is the fulfillment of the promise. Yes. 
and that's what like as you say so all those ceremonial laws and that was all pointing to Jesus but if we observe them now then it's a failure on our part to recognize their fulfillment has taken place in Christ um, and we don't need to follow these because they're not going to bring us closer to God because we can have that personal relationship with Jesus through his sacrifice we can enter in um, and we don't have to have these rules and you know what you either have one or the other you have rules or relationship yep alright verse 18 they are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind in verse 23 such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and their false humility alright so Paul's saying that these practices can lead to pride <coughs> excuse me so what's this spiritual pride I think again um, what we were talking about again with the false um, humility and, and having all this special knowledge and everything if you if you truly realised what Jesus did for you you would realise that you can't have pride because it's just graciously been given to us like we deserve nothing mm. so having all um, all of it you know there's there's no room for pride in that so if you're trying to work your way there then you start to think that you're doing it yourself yeah and then that's when it's going to lead to pride rather than the gift that's been given to you. And that's the key thing, isn't it? The pride mm. is like I've earned and achieved yep. it for myself, yeah. Yep. And the Bible tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Um, and it also says God resists the pride but gives grace to the humble. Mm. And as you say, if we really grasp what Christ did and that it's because of him he did all that, you know, we're going to be humble. Mm. We keep that in our mind. I can always ping myself on that pride whenever there's like someone's preaching or some sort of teaching of something that I've already heard before because I'm just like my automatic reaction is like oh yeah, yeah I know about this I don't need to listen and I always have to stop myself because that's just pride like I haven't learned everything yeah. yet there's always something to be learned and having that humble teachable yeah. um, spirit and that's that you've got to work on it hey it just doesn't like one day it's gone and it's automatically gone forever <laughs> and that's what I think we sometimes forget our flesh is always there and um, we do have to actively work on it that we don't allow it just to creep back in because it will always try to reassert itself and you know it's not gone forever we might conquer, feel we've conquered something but you know then it's like later like where did that come from I thought I dealt with that just to be conscious we have to crucify it daily yeah. And it will always try and rear its head. Yeah. Okay. So, verses 20 to 23 says, Since you die with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Right. Paul is saying these practices will lead you back into slavery. Right. It's actually a choice. We've been set free in Christ. We need to continue to walk in that freedom because otherwise we can actually put ourselves back into bondage. And we've discussed that as well, I think, in the last podcast. You know, you put yourself under rules which you can't keep, and so you're going to break them, you're going to feel condemned, and it's a vicious cycle. And then you're going to also open yourself to the lies of the enemy 
and um, his lies are contrary to the word and so it ties you up again in that whole striving trying to earn your way into heaven trying to have your own righteousness and you know it's very dangerous because in essence what you trying to make it your way and not the way mm-hmm. the only way which is through Jesus and so you're going to step into sin if you think that you can go another way and you can do it another way It is for freedom that Christ is as free. Do not let your soul be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Alright. So that's all from us. Um, again, we just want to encourage you to check everything against the Word of God, to get into it yourself. That's, you know, as Carol's saying, it's how... Um, that's my train of thought. As Carolyn was saying, it's hard. That's how we stay free. Maybe. You know, we stay. You know, when you're you face with this ongoing onslaught of false teaching and attacks of the enemy, like if you are in the Word, that's how you can pick these things up um, and not even take it in for a minute. So make sure that you are in the Word, that you're worshiping God alone, and continue to study the Word for yourself. You know, this is probably a really great time just to um just sort of reassess. Um, yourself and have a look if you've allowed any of this sort of false teaching to sort of creep into your life and if you're putting yourselves under any um, any, any bondage any yoke of slavery because um, yes again it is for freedom that Christ has set us free okay so next podcast we will be continuing on with the Colossians series if you want to get in contact with us you can jump onto our website www.life hypenhouse.net and um, we'll see you next podcast.